Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Wells, joined today by co-host Dustin Myers. We are partners at Longitude Branding, a hospitality, branding, and experience design agency. At Future Hospitality, our goal is to interview the brightest minds in the industry, gathering insights, ideas, and inspiration to share with you. Today, we're joined by Annie Quisenberry, Senior Director of Marketing and Communications at Columbia Hospitality. Columbia Hospitality leads the industry with dozens of unique hotels, resorts, golf clubs, and convention centers around the country, including brands like The Lark in Bozeman, Montana, and Smith Tower in Seattle. Today's topic is the power of rebranding an underperforming property. Annie will share some of the methodology, vision, and mission behind the team at Columbia Hospitality. She also shares some great stories and valuable lessons that she's learned over time. So let's go ahead and dive in. Annie, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. We always like to ask out of the gate, just kind of a first question, you know, just we'd love to hear a little bit more about the journey and hospitality that you've taken um, over that time and just kind of hear a little bit of the backstory about you. Sure. So I actually started my career in hospitality, but I did not recognize it at the time. I was fresh out of college and I went to work for a company that manages retirement communities. At the time, I thought I was in healthcare. Um, But as I've learned throughout my career, uh, the business you're really in is not necessarily how your industry is categorized. So retirement living is extremely competitive. And while the healthcare aspect is absolutely crucial, people choose their retirement living organization or where they're going to um, place their loved ones or live themselves is also very much based on lifestyle, entertainment opportunities, social activities, and of course the service, which uh, as I've come to know are all elements of hospitality. And from there, I went to work for a full-service advertising agency where I worked with clients spanning a lot of different industries, including telecom, gaming, automotive, sports marketing, grocery, um, and hospitality, among several others. I worked at that ad agency for nine years before deciding to transition to client-side corporate marketing. And because I had garnered so much knowledge and experience in gaming over the nine years, it was a natural next step for me to go to work um, for a tribal casino resort. And I was fortunate enough to be hired as the director of marketing for a local tribal casino resort to where I was living at the time. And while I was at that casino resort, they hired Columbia Hospitality for some consulting. And that's where I began to form a relationship with a contact from Columbia. So when I decided I was ready to move on from the casino resort, that contact suggested I consider Columbia Hospitality and made an introduction on my behalf. And the timing was serendipitous, and they were looking for a director of marketing to help them oversee and grow Columbia's marketing program and manage the growth that was already rapidly occurring. And through several meetings with many of the leaders there and those conversations, it became very clear that our values were aligned as my experience was with what they were seeking. So it turned out to be a great fit for both of us. That's really cool. I love that. I love the idea of like, you know, hospitality without even knowing it. You mentioned that. And do you see that, do you find that like, you know, this idea of hospitality, I mean, as, as we've seen even ourselves and what we do, um, 
you know, there's a lot of different ways, you know, a lot of people think hospitality, think hotels, resorts, etc. cetera. Uh, how often do you think people maybe like you just said, aren't realizing that they're in the hospitality in- industry in a way, um, just because it can span so many different types of, uh, you know, industries and, and all sorts of cultures and, you know, a lot of different ways. I think it's very often that businesses don't recognize the business they're really in. And there's so many entities out there who are in the hospitality business without realizing they are. Uh, Airlines are one that may think they're in the transportation business. I think they're in the hospitality business. I think people choose which airline to fly on based on the service they receive and the experience in getting from point A to point B. And Columbia, in partnership with the clients that we're privileged to serve, have helped pioneer the expansion of the idea of the hospitality industry. Um, Columbia got its start with conference centers, but now we're in six verticals, including residential, uh, golf courses, and residential, including condos and apartments. We are in um, bars and restaurants, hotels and resorts, and a category that we call distinctive venues, which includes tourist attractions, live performing arts venues, cruise terminals. So it's really any any industry where there is a service element that an owner desires to elevate. And we can bring that aspect to that business. Yeah, I love that journey of how you kind of cut your teeth and um, learning how to take care of people, how to make people feel cared for. Um, and then moving into the advertising side and all of the, all of the mindsets that go with that. And then now getting to combine both of those at Columbia. Uh, that's, that's a really cool story. So how long have you been at Columbia? I have been there just over three years now. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about, um, the values and the culture at Columbia. Yeah, so our values are really the guiding principles of our business. And and I've never worked for an organization that walks the talk of their mission, vision, and values more than Columbia. I think a lot of organizations have them and their words on the wall that are intended to inspire, but act, the actual application of them is lacking. And at Columbia, the application is at the at the forefront of everything we do. You know, we have three primary stakeholder groups that we identify at Columbia, which includes team members, guests, and owners. And our philosophy is that if you take care of team members first, they'll take care of your guest, which will produce returns for your owners. So the application of our values starts with recruiting and hiring. We have to find the right people who embrace and embody the values and have a natural inclination for service. Um, And we also apply our values with our client partnerships and our contracts. We have a values statement that is actually part of our management contracts. So any any person or business entity that we engage with has to review that and sign that they um, agree to upholding those values. I love the I love that commitment um, in how it kind of drives and drives what you guys do day in and day out with everything. And it's you know it, you know we we kind of you know we fully agree. Like when we talk with this with all of our clients, is like you have to let let these guiding principles, these values, this mission. 
not only drive, you know, a lot of people just think that's going to drive your marketing or your, um, you know, communications to your, your customers, but really it's going to drive your business decisions. It's going to drive your, um, you know, standard operating procedures, your, your team, uh, culture and all these different areas. And I love that you guys kind of live and breathe that for yourself. Yeah. And, and even taking it like one step further that the people that you partner with have to agree to that and get on board with that as well. I think that's a really cool pull through of the brand culture. Yeah. Thank you. And, you know, for the benefit of people listening, I should probably share that our values are an acronym that we, an an acronym that we use to help remember our values is search. So our values are sincerity, enthusiasm, accountability, respect, honesty, and creativity. And I got honesty and creativity out of order for how you spell search, but I remembered them all. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, awesome. And those have not changed in the 25 years that Columbia has been in business. Our leadership revisits them periodically and, and asks the question, should we add one? Should we remove one? And every time they withstand the test of time. Um, we also have a mission and a vision. Our vision is creating exceptional experiences every day, which is really what it boils down to in hospitality. And then our mission is something that we do evolve with the times and work to keep it more relevant. So our current mission is the acronym OMG. And we're, we're considering refreshing this currently, but OMG was established a few years ago, and it stands for, the O is for own the values, M is for make it fun, and G is for get it done. Yeah, that's I great. I love that. I, I love what you said also uh, a minute ago about the the order of operations as far as like where you put um, the priority of team being first, the guests being second, and the owners or stakeholders third. And I, I think even, uh, I think I remember reading this in Danny Meyer's book, Setting the Table, and he kind of runs all of his operations in that same way. And I remember Jeff uh, Bezos, you know, from Amazon, he even mentioned in the in that inter- popular interview about, um, you know, customer interests and stakeholder interests, um, you know, the, those all, those will always be aligned. And I, I think that that's really important for a lot of people to, to make sure they understand is, um, if you can align your team first, like you said, they're going to take care of your guests and they're going to, and then your guests, if they're happy and they're having a great experience, then stakeholders and owners are going to be, you know, benefiting from that. How have you seen other, um, companies or other, um, brands kind of go, maybe go the wrong way and kind of see the, the putting those in wrong order and what, you know, the detriment that that can have to a, a brand. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I'll tell you a little story from one of my first jobs in college. I worked for a hotel that I will keep unnamed, but I was in the banquet department working as a server. And in my training and onboarding there, I remember being told that I was not allowed to use the same restrooms as the guests, that I had to use the restroom in the basement. And I thought that was such an odd uh, rule that we were essentially servants. And I get that our, you know, in hospitality, your role is to take care of people and serve your guests, but that just took it to a whole different level for me. (laughs) And so I think that's an example of how some organizations take it too far with putting team members in hospitality in too much of a different class almost than their guests. And our goal at Columbia is to treat our team members just as well as we treat our guests. 
Yeah, that's really good. Um, the more people feel respected, the more they're going to reciprocate that. So I think that that's a really good mindset to have. Um, so I know that one of the things that one of the ways that Columbia helps um, can be through rebranding and repositioning existing properties. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that process? Um, some of the some of the principles and uh, guidelines that you go through when you're looking at um, trying to reinvent somewhere. Sure. So when we either acquire a new property or even have one of our own that over time becomes more challenged, we take a deep dive into any kind of analytical data we have, um, our market positioning in terms of pricing, um, as well as brand positioning. And oftentimes there will be things that come to light through that process of maybe the demographic of customer that's coming to our website is not matching the demographic we're seeing on our property. And why are we seeing that gap? Why are the people coming to the website not making the reservations? Or we'll find that our price position is not appropriate to our product. Either it needs to go up, that we're uh, diminishing our value because we're priced too low. So people don't think that our property is worth the price point or vice versa, that we're priced too high for the particular product that we're offering. Um, and so out of a lot of those deep dives, we will find that we need to reposition or rebrand a property in a market and attempt to relaunch it and change that consumer uh, perception of the brand. Yeah, that's really interesting. So just like a really deep dive of an audit to see kind of where you're at that you mentioned. Um, yeah, I was just oh, going to add real quick that, and there's a lot of listening involved as well, right? We have the benefit today of a lot of um, listening channels between review sites like Expedia and Yelp and TripAdvisor, as well as social channels. We do a lot of post-day surveys or post-event surveys at all of our entities. So we have a lot of feedback from our guests as well that we can glean for those insights. Yeah. You mentioned uh, maybe a property being underpriced and giving off the wrong perception. That sounds like a more fun challenge to solve than the opposite. Absolutely. <laughs> Annie, I was going to uh, ask, It's you know, as you're kind of repositioning these properties and you mentioned that, you know, it might be something that a property you currently own that just needs some updating or one that you, you know, bringing into your, your portfolio um, and, you know, you need to go through a lot of that groundwork again. Um, one thing that, uh, you know, that's I think is really important is even as you go through that repositioning and rebranding process, oftentimes, again, going back to what you were saying earlier um, making sure that, you know, you're operationally supporting that positioning and that brand and the, that, that mission. Um, what are some ways that you help your team and, um, you know, everyone involved throughout all of Columbia hospitality and, and all your properties, making sure that that they're staying focused and staying on track with, with that overall, those values and that mission to ensure that, you know, as you're going through progressing through the years, what happens a lot of times we've seen is, um, you can kind of even just off a certain degree um, on something where you're going down the wrong path and you might not notice it early on, but over time you're getting further and further away from that, um, that overall mission and those values. And so how do you guys ensure that you're always staying on that right, that right path, that right journey? 
Yeah, that's a great question because our CEO, John Oppenheimer, will tell you that that's what keeps him up at night, especially with Columbia's rapid growth. Um, in our 25 years, we've become a much, much bigger company with around 4,000 employees now in our peak seasons. And just ensuring that we can continue to instill those values in each and every team member is critical. And so it it has to come from every level of the organization and start with the orientation and the onboarding or even before. In the interview process, I talked about the importance of aligning the values with whomever we hire in that recruiting process. And so our values are interwoven into so many aspects of a team member's path, um, their work journey. So starting from, you know, their interview or even when they look at a job description, our values are at the top of the job description. So when they're deciding whether it sounds like a good fit for them, that's part of it. And then it starts with the interview process of, you know, asking them why Columbia, what is it about this organization that resonates with them? Why do they want to work with us? And we hope that the values are part of that response. And then our team member orientation goes back through vision, mission, and values. And we have collateral, we have postcards that we give to each person. Um, We expand upon our mission, vision, and values with guiding behaviors to giving them ways to activate these values in their engagement with guests and other stakeholders. And then it's just that continued mentorship of their supervisors, their property leaders. It's hearing messages from our CEO, our COO, um, and their peers, So it's just, it's modeling, it's walking the talk, it's making sure that they're uh, talked about often. Yeah, that's great. As you guys are considering, you know, whether or not a property needs to be um, updated or rebranded or repositioned, have have you noticed any sort of like, maybe like early signs that are kind of like red flags for a property where maybe you can make some adjustments early on to like save yourself from needing to do a complete rebrand or complete repositioning if you can catch these things early on have you ever you know noticed that or are there anything any uh ideas there absolutely and i'd love to tell you two stories so one of them is with a property that we have up near the canadian border called semiyama resort and it is a full service resort um with almost 200 rooms And it's an example of us digging into website analytics and finding that guests that we were receiving visits to the website, skewing female in the demographic of roughly 25 to 54. Yet most of our brand positioning and our marketing efforts had been targeted at that baby boomer, that retiree audience. And it was positioned as more of a luxury destination when in reality, the product probably would not be considered luxury. And we weren't seeing conversions from that age demographic coming to the website. That's not who we were seeing on property. So we quickly realized there's some kind of a disconnect here. Um, Younger women in particular coming to the website, they were interested enough to get there and poke around, but they weren't converting. So we decided to reposition the hotel to be more family centric and use much more family targeted marketing strategies and tactics. And that saw vast growth at the property, particularly 
in the summer months when families have more time um, and flexibility in their schedules. But even with that repositioning, we've continued to evolve that positioning into what is now operated as a three-season model at Semiamu. So we have distinctly different approaches to our marketing tactics and our target audiences, whether it's July, October, or January, because who can come to that resort changes. When families go back to school, it becomes much harder for them to break away outside of school breaks. And so we intentionally reposition to the boomers and the retirees, um, empty nesters, people like that, or uh, maybe dual income, no kids, younger couples who have the income to be able to come up and visit, but don't have um, the obligations that, that come with children. So that's one example. Second example is a property called Smith Tower, which falls into our distinctive category, uh, distinctive venue vertical. And Smith Tower is a an observatory that's housed in a historic building. It was the first and tallest skyscraper in Seattle, built in 1914. And it has this great storied history from prohibition and rum running in the basement to corrupt police officers and radio broadcasters. And it's fascinating if you ever have the chance to (laughs) visit and dig into a little bit of the story there. But we partnered with the owner of that property who renovated the visitor experience about three and a half years ago and relaunched it to open publicly back to the market. And, um, it has three really great things going for it. One, the historic aspect. Two, we have an incredible bar program there. Our craft cocktails are awesome. And then three, it's 35 stories up in the air. So it has amazing views of Puget Sound and downtown Seattle and the the Olympic Mountains. So when we went to launch this brand, the branding agency we were working with advised us to lead with the history thinking that that's going to be what drives the intrigue of tourists and visitors and locals alike. So we launched putting the history first and trying to tell the story of Prohibition. And our bar was designed in a speakeasy style. And we really led with that. And we noticed that as we were out pitching in the media, they kept covering stories about the bar. <laughs> and we're going, but, but we want to tell the story of the history. Right. And so it quickly became apparent that what people cared about was the bar, the the bar program, the fact that it's this bar with an incredible view because there aren't a lot of rooftop bars in Seattle. And so we quickly reorganized our hierarchy of brand pillars to lead with our bar and our cocktail program first and then having the history um, and the observatory aspect as it pertains to um, straight up observatory, third, but bar and observatory is number one. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And for those of you that are maybe listening, I would definitely check out the Smith Tower because it is a really, really unique and, and interesting property and building. And you know, I love that you brought this up. And I think it's a, kind of a, a almost a de facto thing for you know branding agencies or just people who are helping on the early stages of a property like this where it has like some rich history, it has some um, unique story behind it. And it kind of just defaults to this. Well, let's just focus on the history and, you know, lead with that. And I love that you brought that up as as like, you know, your positioning shouldn't always necessarily, um, it it has to be something people, you know, will latch onto and it'll, it's going to, they're going to care about and they're going to resonate with them. And oftentimes that not, might not be what's obvious. 
And like you said, it, it takes kind of that learning, that social awareness as you're, as you're launching a brand um, to be able to really pivot quickly as needed. Um, and sometimes you can mitigate that, you know, early on with some, you know, maybe a little bit more surveys or research or whatever, if you, if you can do that. But, you know, I think you're, you're spot on. And I think, I think that's a really cool story of, of how you guys, uh, you know, launched that brand. And I would love to visit that property someday. It's really, really unique. It is. It's a great, uh, great destination and a great experience. Yeah. I think good branding is part art, part science. Um, but I love that how you were able to pivot, um, based on the feedback and, um, maybe things weren't as they appeared, but figuring out what it is that people really enjoy and, um, being in tune enough to make that change. Yeah. And on, on that first story too, you're, you know, I think that really shows the power of, of being able to, to capture customer data and, um, insights and actually be able to, to turn that into action. And I think that's a, a, a big need, especially in a lot of, uh, hotels and hospitality brands is they're capturing all this data, but they're not really doing anything with it. Um, and, or, you know, using it, leveraging it to its fullest. So I love that you guys were able to capture that data about, you know, who, you know, the purchasing behavior, the, the booking behavior on the website and turn that into, um, an action step for you guys. So that's really cool. Thank you for telling that story. So as you're leading, um, I assume as senior director of marketing and communications, um, when, when a property is going through a repositioning, you're, uh, working with ownership, um, with your internal team, maybe an external branding agency or a marketing agency. How, how have you been able to successfully create a unified vision and, uh, make sure that everything from interior design and architecture and, um, print collateral and just all the different touch points of a brand come together to tell the same story? Yeah. So I think what has in doing several of these over the last few years, one of the keys is to establish the vision for the brand early, get all the stakeholders together, have discovery sessions, get that input and distill it down to a concise and clear brand statement that doesn't have a bunch of marketing lingo, marketing speak, because you have people from all different, uh, you know, marketing savviness coming to the table that who have to be able to understand and own that brand promise. So, and then from there, it's, it's building it out into much more definition. Um, a good example of this that I can apply to a property is, Sage Lodge. And Sage Lodge is this 50-room, fly-fishing-inspired, high-end lodge that's set at the base of the Rocky Mountains, not far from Yellowstone National Park. And this is a fun story because the ownership of Sage Lodge hired Columbia Hospitality to go purchase them a fly-fishing lodge in Montana. And after our due diligence, we couldn't find one. And we came back to them and said... Unfortunately, we weren't successful in finding a lodge that in good faith we could recommend you purchase. But we did find you a piece of property that would be absolutely incredible and you should build a lodge. And they bought into the idea. And so that was the impetus for the vision of what would become Sage Lodge. And that particular ownership was extremely instrumental 
and developing the brand because they had such a vivid vision for what this place was going to be and what that experience was going to look like. And so we worked at least a year in advance to establish what this brand promise and the brand vision for the property was going to be. And out of that has come probably the best brand book that we have in our portfolio. And I can just share a few tidbits from it so you can see how we have tried to distill a brand that can be sometimes elusive to people into a pretty clear and straightforward and ownable mantra and aspects of it. Would that be helpful? Okay, cool. So Sage Lodge, um, you can kind of envision it based on what I've described. But when you look out the front window, the front window is this massive floor to ceiling glass. And directly out the front window is this gigantic mountain called Emigrant Peak that is in the Absorca Range of the Rocky Mountains. And it's set on 1,200 acres of a ranch. And it has this pond that is stocked with trout so people can try their hand at fly fishing on the property. So it is true and pure Montana designed to take advantage of the beautiful landscape and the nature around you. And it also has the benefit of being close to Yellowstone National Park. So the brand promise that we that we landed on is to be the most memorable hospitality experience in the greater Yellowstone area connecting guests to true Montana. Very simple, very straightforward. And from there, we built out brand pillars. And like I said, Sage Lodge is a high-end lodge, but it's set on this acreage and it's in Montana. So our brand pillars are very simple, real comfort, real adventure, real Montana. And everyone, (laughs) authentic has become a marketing buzzword, right? I'm sure you guys grapple with that a lot as well. But there was something about this property where real was the better word than authentic. Um, Real just has a little bit more grit to it, and we liked that for this brand. So real comfort, speaking to the beds and the guest rooms and even the food and the fact that there's this beautiful wood-burning fire in the lodge and hot tubs and a spa. So there's a lot of comfort elements to it. But real adventure is natural in Montana. You want that to be part of their experience because that's what it Montana is known for. You want to get out into the wild. You want to see the wildlife. You want to go fly fishing on the Yellowstone River. So there had to be an adventure aspect. And then real Montana, you know, this is big sky country. So everything is big. Everything is over, you know, overdone in the best possible way. You have to go big or go home when you're in Montana. So those are the brand pillars that came out of that exercise. And then another aspect that we find to be very, very helpful is doing some is and is nots. And this I find especially helpful when you're trying to write in a brand voice. So your is and your is nots. And a few examples from Sage Lodge are that Sage Lodge is refined, but not arrogant. It's intimate, but not private. And it's guided, but not directed. I love that. Yeah, that's really unique. It's good to have, it's, it's oftentimes just as important to know who you're not and what you're not trying to be than what you, you are trying to be. Absolutely. You know, know, I think you oftentimes will need both of those uh, to really paint the full picture. Absolutely. And then, you know, a last element of this is personality because I think some of the most successful brands are those who are able to distinguish a personality and connect with people. So for Sage Lodge, we not only built, uh, defined their personality, but we defined their persona. 
And the persona of Sage Lodge is this, you know, fictional character that we named Carson. And I'll just share one excerpt from this persona that we crafted. So Carson is a well-traveled, respected, yet humble friend. While once a rugged and extreme outdoorsman sleeping in his car at the best fly fishing put-ins, he built a business behind his passions and grew to enjoy the finer things in life. So you can just see um, how this brand is now personified in Carson. Yeah. Makes it uh, someone that you want to hang out with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm ready to book a trip. <laughs> <laughs> Please <sold>. do. <laughs> Well, Annie, uh, we're, we're coming uh, close to our time here and, and we always have a couple questions. Just, you know, the theme of the, the podcast is future hospitality. And so uh, we like to ask a couple questions towards the end here. And that fir the first one is, um, you know, basically as you see the hospitality industry and just the idea of hospitality moving forward into the future, um, what do you think are going to be some... Um, elements to that that are going to define what the the future looks like um, you know whether it's you know some sort of technology or new trends or uh, something else what do you think are gonna, maybe some like a couple one or two elements that are going to change the future of hospitality you know I think it's a combination of tried and true and evolving trends and this is something we talk to our team about often is you know, the tried and true is there for a reason because it's been proven effective to drive revenue and to grow brands. But that doesn't mean that we can't take our eye off the ever-changing technology landscape in particular, while also trying not to be too distracted by the shiny new ball until we know really how consumers are going to adopt it and engage with it. Um, so in my mind, it's a combination of one, continuing to create brands and experiences that connect with guests on an emotional level. Um, the competition to break through the clutter of brands is getting more and more fierce all the time. So you have to work to stay relevant and demonstrate an understanding of your guest. You have to know how and where they consume media so that you can stay top of mind. And you have to make your communications and guest service personal and convenient, um, which leads to more of the second item of leveraging technology. It's, it's evolving so fast that you have to be committed to constantly learning, testing, and refining while not getting too distracted always by that, that new thing um, coming down the pike that you need to wait and see how it's going to be adopted or how it's going to prove to be effective. Um, you know, web chat and property text on property text communication with guests, while those aren't brand new, they are certainly still in that adoption curve where more and more properties are starting to implement that live web chat and texting with their guests on property. And now they're implementing more and more AI management of those. So I think that's something that's going to help improve the future of, of hospitality and the brands that guests choose to stay with. And I think the other part is keeping your eye on what's next. 2020 seems to have voice search at the forefront, forefront of a lot of the conversations. And voice search is certainly being adopted more and more. But the capability and the sophistication of it has a long way to go before it's going to replace desktop search and other types of or other channels for getting information. But it's certainly something we're keeping our eye on. Yeah, for sure. So at a more personal level, what does the future of hospitality for you look like? What are you excited about? What challenges or projects are coming up that you'd like to share? 
Yeah. You know, for me personally now as the the leader of our marketing and communications department at Columbia Hospitality and the growth that our organization is experiencing, it's really focusing on how I can continue to help our team improve our marketing strategies and practices. We have an incredible team of passionate hotel marketers who are always eager to learn and try new things, but it's me trying to temper that enthusiasm and excitement with not abandoning the things that have worked so well for so long. And then I think for, you know, projects specifically relating to Columbia Hospitality, we have two really incredible projects in the pipeline. We we have several, but two um, that I'll speak to today. And one is a property that's in construction in a city just north of Seattle called Kenmore. And the property is called the Lodge at St. Edward Park. And what makes this uh, project particularly fascinating is that it's a historic renovation and preservation project of a building that used to be a Catholic seminary. So the bones of it are absolutely incredible. And the developer is very passionate about historic preservation, and he's renovating it to be a an incredible um, high-end luxury hotel, and that hopefully will open sometime next year. And then secondarily, yeah, that, we're working that with a building fam- is beautiful. Oh, you're familiar with it? Yeah, we've seen it. Okay, awesome. And then the second one is working with a family who's rebuilding a hotel after an unfortunate fire in 2018, and it's called Mary's Lake Lodge after Mary's Lake, which is located near Estes Park, Colorado, and Estes Park is home to the entrance of the Rocky Mountain National Park, so it's an absolutely stunning area, and we'll be really excited to launch that project next spring. Some exciting stuff coming up for you guys. Yes. <laughs> it's be really cool. Never a dull moment. Well, we love we love what you've shared. Um, love what Columbia is doing and getting to hear more about kind of the behind the scenes look at the culture and the brand. Um, if somebody wants to follow along and um, stay connected with you and Columbia, how could we do that? Absolutely. So you can follow our social channels on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Just search for Columbia Hospitality. Our web address is columbiahospitality.com. Or you can always reach out to myself directly. Um, I'm, I can be found under the leadership section on the website. Or you can email info at columbiahospitality.com. And we'll make sure your inquiry gets routed to the right person. Awesome. Annie, I appreciate your time and thank you so much for sharing a lot of these uh, interesting stories and getting a little peek into, uh, you know, you and Columbia Hospitality and the way that you guys um, create these amazing properties. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Future Hospitality Podcast. If you enjoyed today's topic and episode, please leave us a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Future Hospitality and on Facebook by searching for Future Hospitality. 